thing. Powerful, wasn't it? I want to uh, begin, if I can, instead of giving a recap, Paul's lens that he writes from to this congregation is a it's a warfare lens. So his lens is is that you and I, chapter 6, verse 12 of Ephesians, we're going to be in chapter 1 tonight. The lens that he operates from is that we don't war, we don't struggle, we don't fight against flesh and blood. So we are fighting. We were born into a war. We were born into a struggle. In this world you will have trouble. You have an adversary. Jesus says to Peter, you're at the adversary, your enemy. He, he wants your downfall. Okay. So when we talk about that lens, however, I, we need to be careful because I, I hear a lot of Christian warfare that's, that's talked about, um, you know, spiritual warfare stuff, and sometimes it can be a little, a little off or misleading. So, it is absolutely true. All of us were born into a war, period. However, it is a war that Jesus has already won. That's huge. So, I hear people say, oh, we go out and fight the enemy. No, you don't. No, I can't find anywhere where you and I pick a fight, we go out, start. Jesus never walked down, nor the disciples never walk down to the center of town and start calling out principalities. No, that's, that's not your war. That's not your deal. You're going to say, then what's the deal? Jesus came and the, just the remarkable victory went into the grave and took death captive and came out of the grave so that mankind could be free. Paul goes as far as to say he led in his train, I mean the enemy, made a public spectacle of the demonic realm. Like all of them in a bag. Just made a public spectacle of them. So you and I, like mankind is absolutely free if you want to be free. So Jesus did not come and take away choice. You see, he didn't come and take away your choice. But you have the opportunity from the, in an old covenant time period, mankind lived under oppression and they're just, unless it was kind of like this divine intervention of God, there was nothing you could do about it. In a new covenant hour, that is just not, that is just not the case. In a new covenant hour, you and, you and I literally, you and I literally are free. And our war, what we are called to do, Jesus tells the disciples right before he ascends to heaven, he says, here, here's your deal. 
wait till you're empowered from upon high. The Holy Spirit comes and you're equipped. That's what Paul's talking to the church about. That's what we've been looking at. You are going to be launched into the world to, to set captives free. So you, you and I literally, we have no opposition that we can't overcome. You're going to receive resistance. But you and I are just called to go out and say, hey, to, to, go, back, to go out and reclaim territory. So, and this is a tremendous statement that Paul makes in several different ways. You are an absolute juggernaut to the enemy. He has no answer for you. Literally. Yeah, he has no answer for you. When the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus. When the enemy looks at us, he sees Jesus. Yeah, that's... I know, that's like so good, isn't it? So that's really what we're talking about here. The enemy is scared to death that you're going to walk in who you've been called to be. So we're not going to go home and fight the enemy. He's, <laughs> he's incidental. Paul, no one ever had conversations with, with the devil. You're going to see that on YouTube. You know, these demonic things come up and they have conversations and they talk and what, yeah, come on. That's never biblical. It's never biblical. We were born in a war. Jesus, a war that Jesus has already won. And you and I are called to go set captives free and live that freedom. Take back territory. That's, that's what Paul has been talking about. And what's so, what's so significant about this is that when you and I, when you and I receive, when we believe Jesus, again, we talked about this last night, Jesus gives you his position and takes your position. He, he gives you his identity. It literally gives you, you know, we're his body. He's our head. We, we're seated with him, so we literally share the inheritance that we have, he got for us. It's the inheritance of a son. So it, the most powerful way that I've learned how to, how to describe this is that Jesus is the only begotten son and so everything that we hear regarding sonship and what God desires, all of that was for Jesus. Jesus just made it available for you and me, which is incredible. We were designed, we were created to walk with the Father the way that Jesus does. So his inheritance is ours. He shares it with us. Isn't that just awesome? He just shares it with us. So we have identity as a as a child, when we talk to the Father, we talk to Him as Jesus talked. He says, you can talk to Him just like I talk to Him. In fact, he said, you, Paul says, we can walk boldly into the throne room. We can call Him Abba, which means Dad or Papa. People say, oh, it's not formal like Father. No, it's not. I put this thing on Facebook the other day just for, to cause some thought. I find two different views of, of God the Father. And one view is this individual says, oh, I made a terrible mistake. Look at this mess that I, call, I caused. I hope my dad doesn't find out. That's one. And then there's the camp that I'm in. And I'm, oh, look at this terrible mistake that I made and the mess that I, call, I caused. I need to go talk to my dad. I want to live there. He's, he's for you. And what's so neat, I love that song that, that Zach sang, it's just so spirit-led. But 
you know, I'm no longer a slave, a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I'm, you have chosen me. Dude, he, I didn't call him. This is what we're talking about tonight. So I, I've been chosen. And I, it'll change how you feel about yourself. It'll change how you live when you realize that you, that you were created to belong to him. That you were cre- He looks at you the way he looks at Jesus. The protectiveness that he had over Jesus is the protectiveness, protectiveness that he has over you. This is what I want to talk about tonight. And I want you to sit back. I want you to be encouraged. I, I, I want to share with you the second piece of, of the identity that Paul gets into. So let's, let's get a little bit of a context here, what we've been looking at in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, the, from verse 3 all the way down to verse 20, uh, 23. Paul has been really just the, the, right at the outset when he's writing to this, this church, and he's writing this letter uh, to this group of you know, early church Christians, the early church in Ephesus, um, he, he spends this opening section just reminding them of their identity. He's reminding them of who they are in Christ. And the first thing that he does in his opening statement in verse 3, he, he, Paul reminds them uh, of the investment that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have made in them. The whole, the whole bundle of salvation that our Godhead, our one God and three persons, each member of the Godhead, how much they've invested. And the Father, he begins, literally has this dream of a physical realm where he puts mankind, which is his physical children. Jesus is his spiritual son, and he creates physical children to be in relationship with him in the same way that Jesus is in relationship with him, which is crazy. Because God wants everything going on in this realm to be what's going on there. In fact, Jesus says when you pray, that's how you're supposed to pray. Let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done here as it is there. So that's, that's the whole kit and caboodle. That's the whole deal. I'm showing my age by talking about kit and caboodle. So that, that's the whole thing. So the Father says, I, 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 this blessed God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us. So this, our, our God and Father wants to take all the attributes that make Him who He is, which is incredible, and He wants that to be our attributes. That's we were created in His image and likeness. Jesus is like, I love that. I get brothers and sisters. He's our older brother. And he literally enters into that, someone who's spiritual, enters into that physical realm, gets a physical body, identifies with us, and ensures that the plan of the Father happens. And he comes and says, I, I, listen, this is what you're going to look like. This is how you're going to overcome This is what you're supposed to look like. Don't settle for less. When you pray, expect. Jesus never prayed and goes, well, Lazarus. Oh, please, I hope you come through. (laughs) He just never did that. You know? He just, in fact, he was like, come on, Peter, get out of the boat. Dude, this is great. He just just demonstrated it. What I've been doing, you're going to do. And if you believe in me, you can have it. All you do is have to believe. That's what it means to be righteous. And when you and I believe, he takes who you are and he gives you who he is and then he takes who you are, sucks it into himself, goes to a cross and kills it. And he becomes the punishment. We have been justified. And then we're empowered because we're in right relationship with the Father. He can come and dwell in us. 
So the Holy Spirit's like, dude, and he like dives in. And we are his temple. Now he expounds on this in verse 4. And so let's read verse 4 and, and we'll get into it because he's, he's expounding on this idea. And one of the things I love about studying in, 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 uh, studying in series, and I've got to be careful because I, I, I get locked into series. <laughs> locked into series. Which probably is a long conversation on why that's not always helpful. But Paul is not writing in a vacuum. Verse 4 is intimately connected with verse 3 and he's going to verse 5. So when you're ever, you know, I tell my students at the, you know, where I teach in, in uh, Nashville area, I tell them all the time, context is king. You can make the scriptures say whatever you want when you take it out of context. You know, Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it'll be given to you. I'm like, that's my life verse. <laughs> yeah, I'm running with that puppy. Well, that's fine, but put that puppy in context. Okay, keep it in the kennel. Just running with what comes out of my mouth, man. Just running with what comes out of my mouth. So let's <laughs> pray for me, Karen. Just stay in prayer mode. Keep him locked. All right. So let's look at verse 4, and then we're going to walk through it. For he chose us, and this is so, let's just take a moment to say this is going to be so good. I mean, it is just going to be so good. Seriously, there are times when I'm like, I'm studying this, and I'm literally reading about who I was designed to be before the foundation of the world. I know, isn't that crazy? I look over this lady's just like, tell me about it. <laughs> Seriously, th there is no room for low self-esteem in the body. Amen. Just read this, man. Just seriously, read it. You just, we should be the most confident people there, there are. For He chose us in Him before the, found, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Let's look, at, let's look at some of the terminology here so we can understand precisely what he's getting at. Uh, when he says, for he chose us, the Greek word there, chose, and there's a few different Greek words in the New Testament that can be translated chose or chosen. They're very significant. All of them are important. But there's different words. There's, there's different Greek words. And sometimes you know, those Greek words need to be kind of highlighted a little bit because we can take chosen to mean something that it's, it's not necessarily um, describing. So this word here that we translate chosen, it's the word eklego, which is really important. Eklego. Um, the core meaning of the word that we're going to get for chosen is actually in the term lego, but eklego is, is the actual word, and it, it probably would be better translated. It says, for he chose us, it literally is translated called out. He called us out. You know, you've been chosen, you've been called out, you've been singled out. That's the idea. The word ek is a preposition uh, used all throughout the New Testament to describe out, something coming out, like you go out of the room. Ace is another pre preposition, and that's for coming into a room. And then you have ain, and we could go on and on prepositions because they're so fun. Ain is what's in the room, okay? But ek is what's coming out of the room. So you've been called out of. Okay? You've been called out of. Now, the Greek word lego that's used here is a super neat word <coughs> because it, it literally has to do with speech. 
which we, we, it, to call or to say something out of. It's the, you know, to call is actually a, a manner of speaking. But there's a couple different, it, it's contrast. And I, I want you to understand what it means to be called because there's a couple different words that are similar to lego and that are used interchangeably almost throughout the New Testament. There's the word, for instance, laleo, and then there's the word lego. And both of them can be speech, speech or, or saying something or calling, but they're different. Laleo is used for common speech, common talk. Like when you walk up and you say, hey, what's up? Or you're talking about someone and, and hey, I'm looking for so, you know, so-and-so. And oh, they're over there and they're talking. That's what Laleo is. Uh, in the New Testament, when um, Jesus heals the deaf mute and he speaks for the first time. The, the word for speech, him saying something, is laleo. Because laleo, it doesn't really have too much content on what's being said, but it's on the act of speaking. Now, in other words, the guy spoke. He'd never spoken before. No one came up and said, what did he say? Does it matter? Because <laughs> the emphasis isn't on content. The emphasis is on speech. Sometimes all people come up and say, oh, you're a great speaker. You mean laleo? Because I'm not interested in Laleo. I'm not an entertainer. Okay? Yeah, you tell really good jokes. You keep my attention. <laughs> I hope there's more than that going on. That's what Laleo is. Now, Lego is altogether different. Lego is, is speaking, but every place in the New Testament where Jesus is preaching or teaching, and it says, verily, verily, I say, it's the term Lego. Which means the emphasis is not on his speaking, but on the content of what he's saying. It's very specific. Now, what, what is this? Why do we go through all the way through this um, when, when we're looking at the term here, eklego? Because when, when Jesus calls you out, it's not generic. Like, you, you know, you're not, hear me, please. You're not generic. And the reason I, I emphasize that is I hear so often people talk about themselves in such generic ways. Well, I, I'm just a Christian. I just go to church. You know, I'm just... No, that's, that's not biblical. You're not, you're, not indis, you're, you're, you're not dispensable. You're indispensable. Do you believe that? You're completely vital to the kingdom this is the language you have been called out you have been singled out and the reason that i love the eklego word there because lego has to do with precise it gives you the idea that god's like i need a specific individual so there's there's detail about you one of the illustrations i use for this is um back when i was in uh like kindergarten or first grade uh, I remember, it made an impression upon me, um, Mrs. Geringer was my teacher. I can't remember what grade it was in, but she was, was talking to us about how unique we were. And she was, I don't know, I, I assume she was a Christian now that I look back, because she was just sewing into us all the time. And she, but she was talking about, you know, how, how unique we are, we, what we are and how special we are. And, and one day she said, I want everybody in, in, in the classroom to hold up your hands and look at them. And look on the ends of your thumbs and your fingertips. And you're going to see some squiggly lines. I can't see them anymore. They're there. 
But she said, look on the ends of your, in your, in your fingers, you have these squiggly lines. She said, those are called fingerprints. And we're like, yeah, yeah, fingerprints, you know, and all this. And she goes, did you know that your own fingerprints are not only the only ones that are on the face of the planet today, but they're the only ones that have ever been and ever will be. And I remember looking at my buddy and I was like, dude, she's totally making that up. Ours are the same. Look at that. Those are exactly the same. But there is, there is this, there is this uniqueness about you. Like, you're not, you're not generic. Like we're, the face IDs, the thumbprints, the fingerprints are like, even in your genetics, they can relate you to, to, you know, to siblings and parents, but you're, you're you. And think about the diversity of that with the people that are on the planet and always been and always will be. Like, that's crazy. Like, God is not just casual in creation. In other words, it's just, you know, he just doesn't wake up one day and, and he's like, oh, I forgot. We need a, we need a singer down there in Huntsville. I don't know. It's Zach, he's got a high voice. You know, just, I don't, yeah, that's fine. Just grab a body. I don't care what he looks like. Throw him down in there. That's not biblical. Yeah, that's not biblical, man. Um, when I, uh, I grew up, and this illustration I've always given because it's personal to me, but um, I grew up in, in, um, in a day and age when uh, uh, Jeremiah wasn't a popular, cool name. And actually, I had some teens come up to me recently. It's like, yo, Jeremiah's such a cool name, man. And I have a couple friends named Jeremiah, and it's kind of coming back around, right? But back when I was a kid, it was not a cool name. My mom, I was actually going to be named, most people don't, don't know this, but um, like who know me even, but I was going to be named Billy. Billy Curtis. <laughs> Just, they were from Kentucky, but, you know, I was going to be named Billy Curtis Bolick, you know. And then like two weeks before I was born, my mom went to see uh, Jeremiah Johnson. She had a thing for Robert Redford, I think. I, you know, she repented of that, I, I believe. But, and she came out and she was like, that's such a great name. And they changed my name to Jeremiah Curtis. But growing up in high school, I hated, I hated the name. I didn't like it. I, I, people, I had people call me, you know, uh, Jay. People called me Germ. They called me Bullfrog because of that song. Remember that? You know, they called me... They called me Jerry, Jeremy, you know, Jeremy, all this. And people take liberties with your name. Hi, what's your name? Jeremiah. Nice to meet you, Jeremy. I'm like, yeah. no, my name's Jeremiah, you know. But anyway, so I, I, I wasn't really a big fan of the, of the name. And um, I remember I, we would have bikes as a kid. That was a big thing in my neighborhood. We all rode around bikes and me and Trent and Mark. And we'd all ride our bikes around. And they all had their name tags you know, John, even my buddy was Trent. He had a name tag with Trent. I was like, I just settle for Larry. And because there was, there was no Jeremiah's, there was literally no Jeremiah name tag. So I get saved in 95. I'm going through the Bible. I'm reading it. And I look in there and lo and behold, there's a book in there with my name on it. Jeremiah. I was like, yeah, take that Trent. You know, so, but I was, I was excited. I was like, wow, there's a, there's a book in there with my name on it. And I, I began to read through it, and I learned that Jeremiah was actually from a priestly family, and he was in training to be a priest as a very young man. In fact, he complained about being too young to doing what he was doing. And God comes to him one day, 
and says, Jeremiah um, shows up. And, and the context really is he was in training. So he, he comes to him at, at the freshman dorm at the school and he, and he knocks on his, his door and, and um, Jeremiah answered. And he's like, wow, hey God, funny seeing you here. God says, yeah, hey, uh, I'm calling you to be a prophet. And Jeremiah is shocked. In fact, he tells him what he's going to do. He's going to go to the leaders of Israel, which is like as a freshman going to the, I mean, going to the president, going into the boardroom with the leaders of the whole region and the board meeting and the director's meeting. And he says, I want you to walk right in there, jump up on the table. Don't pay. Hey, don't, I want you to be aggressive. And I want you to say, hey, I've got a word of the Lord for you. Jeremiah was like, dude, that's not happening. I'm too young. I'm a kid. That's never going to happen. And God says, listen, before you were born, I knew you. And I appointed you a herald to the nations. So this is huge. So when we talk about being a Christian, when we talk about being a child of God, we make that, honestly, we, do we make this in our generation so generic? Oh, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sunday. I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls who do. I don't lie. You know, um, you know I, I pay my tithe. I, none of that. None of that makes you a Christian. None of that. I mean, we think that like time in service, like, you know, I've been here for a long time. I give some cash. That's somehow the club. We use a lot of club language. I had a guy one time, he wasn't here, but I had a guy, guy one time come to me after the service and he's like, oh, I don't like this about the church and that. And I mean, I pay good money. You think they, I was like, hold on. No, you don't. That's called tithe. That's not yours. This is not a club. Well, I, I, I pay the tithe. I should, I should have kind of music. Are you even saved? Yeah, he didn't like me. I was like, I don't, I'm not your pastor. Yeah. You can go flip sand for all. I didn't say that. I was thinking it inside. If he could read my mind, he'd been like, whoa, you know. But I was like, dude, you could be kidding me, dude. This isn't a club. This isn't a clubhouse. I don't pay my monthly dues, but we use club language. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to my club. I go down there, you know. They've got all kinds of things that are for me, you know, children's stuff. And no, that's, that's not what... I mean, we have we live in a in a, in a in a in a in a country where we have to, you know there is some business aspect of the church and legality and how we handle money. Yeah, I get all that, but that's that's not what this thing is. That's not what the church is. And, and we use this kind of language. We we use the kind of language that I'm a Christian because I go to church on Sunday, or even worse, I'm a Christian because I believe the right kind of doctrine. That's, that's also, that's not, that's not what the word believe means. What it means to believe is, remember, we, we talked about this last night, Abraham, God comes to Abraham and says, listen, I've got this plan, and before the foundation of the world, I chose you. He didn't say that to Abraham, but that's, hey, I got this plan, and I, hey, I want you to be the father of many nations. I want to bless the whole world through you. Abraham's like, that's what I'm talking about. And he walked out, he just walked with God. And what's crazy, what's so beautiful about Abraham is he never saw it come to fruition. He only had one kid. End of his life, he's like, man, thought I'd see at least a few more. You know what I'm saying? So what it means to believe is I believe what you say about me, that you've created me. Let me say that again and say it slower. 
What it means to be a child of God, what it means to be a Christian is to be a child of God. What it means to be a child of God is that I, you know, I was created by you and for you, for your purposes. I just, I'm not just living my life and I season it with a little bit of His goodness so I can go to heaven. I don't know where we came up with that. I don't know where, don't know where we came up with that kind of stuff. So, so what it means to be, like when Jeremiah, when God says, listen, before you were formed, I knew you, and this is my plan, if you're not into that, you're not into me. Seriously, drink this in. I've had people say, well, God called me the ministry, but I ain't doing that. And they still come to church like you're still getting in. <laughs> Read. Let me give you another one. So uh, one of my favorite illustrations on this is, um, is Jonah. So God calls, comes to Jonah. And he tells Jonah, hey, listen, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, Nineveh? Dude, I ain't going to Nineveh. Nineveh's like Michigan. No one wants to go to Michigan. <laughs> Say, hey, I'm not. Seriously. I am not going to Nineveh. And God says, yeah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And so what happens is, I was kidding if you guys are upset about Michigan. Okay? Don't be upset about Michigan. I love Michigan. But uh, Jonah's like, he came up with an alternate idea. He's like, you know what? I don't like the Michigan. It's cold. And so he's like, you know what I'm going to do? He gets into a boat, and he's like, I'm going to go to Hawaii. And instead of Nineveh, I'm going to go to Hawaii, and I'm going I'm to start a great ministry there. What's crazy is, is that, Nineveh, that Jonah could have went to Hawaii, started a tremendous ministry there, won the entire island of Hawaii, and it would have been great for them, and then, you know, Jonah would have died and went to hell. Because God didn't create him to go to Hawaii. Yeah, he created him to go to Nineveh. And, and, and that was the whole conversation. And by the way, let me just give this little closing uh, thought on, on, uh, on Jonah. If you go back and read you know, that book, it's such a great book. He, he gets to Nineveh and he, he marches a full day. It's a huge city. He marks a full day into the city and then proclaims, and he knew what would happen. He was afraid it would happen. They were horrible to the people of Israel. Well, they repent. He didn't want them to repent. He wanted them to be judged. And so they repent. King calls for a fast, and there's revival that breaks out in the land. And he's like, ah! And he goes out, leaves. He's sitting under this bush. He's all complaining. He wanted fire. He's like James and John. He wanted to call down fire from heaven on the Samaria, you know? He's all upset. And God comes to him, and he's like, Jonah, come on, they're my kids, man. They're my kids. And he, so it wasn't just doing what God said. He said, I want you to feel about them the way I feel about them. And then the story ends, and, and I always wonder, well, what happened? He went home and forgave. Okay, fine, it's great. And then this was a couple years ago, after I'd studied that, I was watching the news one day, and they had come up, it was like on normal news, they'd come up and said ISIS was in trouble. They were in hot water, both by Christians, Muslims, and Jews. And, they were, and the reason it made news because they could all agree for the first time. And it was because ISIS had desecrated Jonah's burial place. And I was like, what? I guess I thought that was like in Israel. And then I, they were showing on the news it was in Mosul, Iraq. And I'm like, what? What's in And I laid the ancient map over the present day map. That was where Nineveh was. So Jonah was buried in Nineveh. Jonah allowed God to transform his heart and he got up and went back into the city and remained there the rest of his life ministering to those people.
married there, had children there. Dude. Talk about heart change. God's not generic. Fine, I'll go to church. You ever seen that before? Well, I went to church. No, you didn't. You slept. I look at you. I see you right now. You're sleeping. Yeah, so I say this all the time. But see, there's a difference between coming to church and coming to church. So I'll use some of the imagery we've talked about this week. You can come to church and not come to church. You can sing and not worship. Did you know that you can give 10% of your money and not tithe? That's why, that's why Rodney was always like, you, gotta be a, you have to be a joyful giver. Because if it's not with joy, it doesn't count. Now, we still want you to give because we need your money, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't benefit you. It'll benefit the kingdom, but it won't benefit you. <laughs> so, so, this is, so this idea of chosen, all of that's kind of wrapped up in this term. God with specifics created you before the foundation of the world. You. See, we're all in the same category. You. He's created you. And there, there's a specific integrity to your life. There's a specific purpose for your life. I mean, that should just wash over you. That's where protection comes. That's where destiny comes. You know, there's, there's times I read these stories about God's protection and all that stuff. And the lie of the enemy is, but he doesn't feel that way about you. That's a lie. You're, you're absolutely instrumental. And the minute you begin to think of yourself like that, your whole life changes. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He, he's, he's, he's literally willed into his mind good things for your life. He's called you out of the masses. That's what that word means. It has the idea that there's all these people that's all been created, and he says, eh, my plan, I, just, I need a you. And he just calls you out, and you are created. That's remarkable. You were handpicked. That's that word. So he says, now let's, let's, let's link that together, that God, in verse 3, God the Father wants every aspect of who he is to be in that place he just created. And you and I were created in his image and likeness to be his children that manifest that there. And we were, we were literally, that's, we're the vehicle by which the will of God, we're the vehicle by which his words come forth. That, that's who we are. And what does that look like? Jesus came, second person in the Trinity, and he said, it looks like me. And you can have that in your life. And when you receive that, you receive redemption, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and He has all the attributes. And you realize that God chose you for this before the foundation of the world. Now, He attaches, and He'll say a lot of things as He goes down through this verse, but He attaches two aspects to this, this chosen terminology that become manifest. The first is, He's chosen you in Him before the creation of the world to be holy. There is a variety of terms that we can translate holy, sacred, pure. There's a number of Greek terms in the New Testament um, you know, that can be translated holy. This one has two aspects, and I love it. The first aspect, and this isn't as, as widespread, but I found a couple commentators who, who, who come after this, and it, it literally, in fact, I wrote this down 
So let me read it so I get it correct. In its it can be translated. It's it's um, it's hagias. Any matter of religious awe. Like there's a there's an awe inspiringness about your uniqueness and and the the specialness of who you are. Okay, now that doesn't the dominant idea of this idea of this term, which would be the second way, and it's most often carries this meaning. It translates this literally. It, it is you, you are um, uh, you are you're sacred and you are chosen. Uh, it's not chosen. You are um, a possession, like you are a possession of God. That's what this term means. So it has consecration idea that you're someone who belongs to Him. And we have all these passages of Paul tells the church in Corinth that you were bought with a price, that your body is not your own. And, and hear that. Uh, let, me, let, me just, let me just deal with this first. So your body is not your own. So I, I was reading this book this summer. I was at this camp where there was no reception. I was at, it was in Vermont, up on a mountain. I mean, it was pretty cool. It was like 14-day camp. It was the longest camp ever. Actually, it's 10-day, 12-day, 12-day camp. And it was awesome. I was there the whole time. And there was no reception. There was no internet. There was no comfort. There was no joy. <laughs> it was terrible. But, so, but I had bought a few books. I was like, you know, I'm at least they did have electricity. And so I bought a few books on Kindle. I was reading them. And one of them I bought was, was recommended to me by a, another pastor. And uh, it was all about the uh, training uh, in godliness. And there's, this guy is just killing it. And one of the chapters, he was going into the fact that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. That I am not my own. And that's literal. That God has called me out. He's called me a purpose to indwell me that I might belong to Him. And so when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you, we're literally His sanctuary. And He makes all these wonderful kind of uh, analogies, these illustrations from the Old Testament that were fulfilled in us. Okay? Uh, one of them being is that in the Old Covenant, if you were to offer God a blemished sacrifice, it was an abomination. It wasn't accepted. But then he says, okay, but in the church today, we, we can offer God a blemished vessel to dwell in. <laughs> and we think it's okay. It was terrible. I threw the book away basically halfway through it just because it was so much conviction. But yeah, gluttony's a real thing, man. And he was he was just talking about how I treat my body and and I was robbing I was robbing you know my kids of and my grandkids of future years with me and it's it was just, you know what I'm saying but it was all it was all centered around this idea that I've been chosen, I've been selected, I've been reserved, I belong to him, my future. He's like literally and he wants to bless me and it's joy. He knows exactly. He designed me so he knows, he knows what brings ultimate fulfillment in my life. But the core of the idea is that I, I'm his. He selected me to belong to him. That's this term. But it also carries with this idea when that happens, there is this all. Because when you, here's the, here's the beautiful. When you see God, he's absolutely awe-inspiring. And if you belong to him and he dwells in you, you should be awe-inspiring. Like, you just don't get freaked out. And there's beautiful aspects that, like, I, I believe redefine male masculinity. 
Jesus was a real man. He wasn't a wimp. He wasn't a coward. He didn't shrink back. It was all, it's all inspiring to look at that man. In Luke chapter 2, verse 47, he's in the temple. And, 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 and you know, the parents are looking for him. They come back. And it says in that verse that the, the leaders of Israel, in light of his questions that, that, that he's asking, they were amazed. They were shocked and startled. That's the idea. Like, you and I should be shockingly awesome. Like how we live. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, you have Peter and John that are standing up before the Sanhedrin. They're ignorant, unschooled, ordinary fishermen. And it says the leaders of Israel were amazed. Actually, it's translated in NIV, astonished. Because these guys haven't studied, they haven't learned. They're operating out of a wisdom that they, didn't, they shouldn't have. Think, think about that. If you belong to Jesus and you have the mind of Christ, you and I should be operating out of a wisdom that is beyond what we, what we can possess ourselves. It's shocking. There are times when, I say this all the time, there are times I'll be, I tease Chad about this when he's preaching once in a while. Chad will say stuff and he'll look at me and I'll realize it came to him in the moment. And I'll be like, dude, you're not that smart. That didn't come from you. I say it out loud. Everybody laughs. Like, you're not that good, man. I've heard this sermon. It was not that good last time. But I tell you, well, where did that come from? Well, Jesus tells the disciples this. He tells them, guys who've never been more than 50 miles from their house, he says, go into all the world. And they're like, are you kidding me? What do we say? He's like, don't worry about it. Words will be given to you. People are going to be astonished. Paul came into town. People were healed, raised from the dead, lives transformed. Peter, James, John, like they just, they just transformed their world. That's this terminology. And, and you have to take these terms and you have to take this understanding. Again, this is not just illustrative of some neat teaching. I'm literally reading your birthright. I'm reading your your. I'm reading your birth certificate. Come on, nod your head. This is who you are. I'm going to give you a charge. You cannot come back tomorrow unless you do this. So whether it's at work, at a gas station, Walmart, you need to look over at someone that you do not know tomorrow and say, you know how awesome I am? Yeah, you have no idea. I mean, I'm like the man. <laughs> Just do it. Or the woman, whatever. Yeah. I know, right? There's several of you like, I am not saying that. And it's not, there's a difference between bragging and arrogance and just confidence. Isn't that so neat? Yeah, I'm not arrogant, man. I just know who I am. When I pray, it matters. It matters. Why? Because I can walk boldly into the throne room. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. Think about that. I'm seated in Christ at the right hand of the Father in the midst of the boardroom that's settling everything for eternity. Maybe the reason I don't hear is because I'm not listening. Maybe the reason we feel we're on the outside is not by His doing, but by our choice. That's... I just think we settle for less. 
I wish I could remember it. My wife posted something on Facebook today I thought was so good. Oh, she said, you can't tell a devil to leave if you constantly entertain it all the time. I was like, you go, girl. I, did a, I was like, you go. She took it off. But I was like, wow. That's good, that's good truth. It's phenomenal truth. I don't have to put up, I don't have to tolerate the enemy. And maybe if I'm not living in, I'm not living in victory, it's because I tolerate the enemy in my life. And, and the reason I tolerate the enemy in my life is I'm a victim. And I don't know who I am. And again, just, I think I gave you this already, and I'm just going to say it again. I'm in this weird season of my life where I, I give you this, you know, companies like Apple. We talked about this, but I'll say it again. Companies like Apple have two departments in them. They've got quality control. When you buy something, it needs to work. When you push the on button, it should come on. That's quality control. We're not going to put out a product that doesn't work. Okay. It's going to do everything we say that it's going to do. And we know that all technology does that. But that's the quality control. But there's another department. And the other department is product development. And in the product development department, you can't have everything always work or it, you wouldn't develop anything. So you need to push boundaries. You need to say, wow, I wonder if we put this and this together, which are actual things that are true and exist. If we put them together, would it work? And I'm in this product development stage of my life. Like when I drive down the road, I just say, Jesus, you're going to lead and guide. You're going to provide protection. This is hysterical. So this is 100% true. Last year, this time of the year, we had a tornado that was coming roaring through. Came through here. We, we get all your junk that you send us, you know. So, but this tornado came and was coming right, I mean, right smack dab to our house. In fact, when I, when I left the next day, we couldn't get out. We had to go all the way around because the road that went to the, went to the, the highway, which is a quarter mile from my house, it was just wide. It was like an F4. And it just, there was no trees, no roofs. I mean, it was just, and it was like a 10-mile long thing. It was just bad. And it was coming, and my wife and kids are under the house, you know. And I walk out, and it's raining. I did, I walked out, because, you know, right back behind my house, got my beehives there and all that. And Chris is like, get under here right now. <laughs> she yelled at me. And I did, I walked out, and I just held my hand up. I was like, I'm in the product. I, I, I might pay for this one. Okay? I might short-circuit something, blow off an arm, but we're going to try it. And I walked out and said, Jesus, you gave us this house. It's a ministry. This is where we belong. And if you want us to leave, I don't think it's going to tear it down. And I don't know if anybody else is doing this. And I just spoke to the tornado. I was like, in the name of Jesus, you do not have permission to touch my property. And then I ran and got underneath the house, okay? <laughs> but when, I promise you, and I don't know, people's like, come on, I can't prove it, but when I came out of that, and I'm not necessarily encouraging you to do these things, probably just as a disclaimer, okay? <laughs> At your own risk, this is product development. But when we came out of the house, as I said the next day, and this is documented, it came within, like, not a quarter mile, it came within, like, close, like less than a quarter mile from my house, lifted, went past my house, sat down, and kept on coming. I was like, dude, that's what I'm talking about. And you're like, dude, that's not, I don't know. 
Jesus stood up and spoke to the wind and the waves. Isaiah, or Elijah, the size of a man's hand. Elijah, right? Is it Elijah? Elijah? Isaiah? It's one of those guys. It's Elijah. He spoke. I mean, I don't know. And you're like, is that possible? I don't know. Just let's, let's work. Let's figure it out. Seriously, let's just, I mean, why not? I'm exploring. I'm exploring who I am in Jesus. Because I read some pretty crazy things in the Scriptures about what it's going to be like for you and I there. We're going to set, and Jude tells us, we're going to judge angels one day. <laughs> I mentioned that already. I was like, dude, I'm not qualified. Seriously. Or maybe I am, and I should stop saying that. Yeah, they do. Words really matter. That's why we come out of agreement and we come in agreement. So we just, you got to be careful what you believe and what you say about yourself and what you speak over your kids. So you were, you were literally chosen, selected, called out as sons and daughters of God, and you're awe-inspiring. And then the easy one is to be blameless. And the word blameless is really complicated. It, it just means to be without blame. Isn't that crazy? Do you know what that means? You literally, it means, again, we, we always make a difference. We, make, we draw a distinction between facts and truth. When you stand before Jesus, He looks at you like you've never sinned. You're like, and he, I live out of His perspective, which is truth, not information. The enemy lives here. Because He comes to you and talks about this, threatens you with that. He's a liar. He lives here. He has no, no way to operate out of the mind of God. You and I do. So we operate out of truth. All right, so you and I are blameless. What does that mean? Never wrong. I've been saying it for years, but... <laughs> what does that mean? I'm never wrong. Now, again, you're going to come and say this, but ultimately, what it really means as sons and daughters of God you can't screw this thing up. He can work with whatever you give Him. When you just say, yes, Lord, you're in. There's times when I listen to sermons and I'm like, oh, did I actually say that? Quote the wrong guy, refer to the wrong prophet. You know, like, I look at I'm like, why did you call me? Seriously. There's like, way better people most people are better people seriously i mean you look at you look at the 12 ignorant fishermen jesus came and he didn't go down to the scholars he said stuff like my my glory is perfected in weakness that's just a mantra does he really mean that you you can't mess this up you mean i can you're telling me i have freedom i'm so loved and cherished that i'm so awe-inspiring in his eyes that I, that I can experiment with stuff and He's okay with that. And I can pray bold prayer, uh, prayers and believe and He'll gently bring me back. Yes! Yes, because it's not, you're not self-moded. You're not, you're not selfish in your motive. You're not like in this self-modular thinking. You're guided by the Spirit. And you just can't, like, you just can't mess it up. Not if you're just in love with Him. Like, which is right, standing and, or kneeling or sitting? Or, 
And I've met people and they get all, you know, well, I don't, I don't want, I come to church and, I, you know, I, I probably, I didn't really kneel and I probably should be kneeling. I'm like, dude, you're stressing me out. Yeah, you need to relax. Have a V8 and just, just sit over there. Just tell him you love him. I loved it. Zach said that tonight. Whatever is comfortable for you, not in not seeking, but how, how you would like, like I've met people before and they're like, I love to raise my hand. I love to raise both hands. I, I, in Lebanon, we got some. We got some freaks in Lebanon. They're like running around, jumping. I'm like the only normal guy. You know, seriously, you've been there, man. They're like jumping up and down. We're like upstairs of this building. There's a coffee shop below. I can't imagine what they think. Uh, they probably think it's like a disco or something upstairs. Like, no, it's a church. You know, it's, it's a service. It's a, it's, a, it's a community service. But you just can't, as long as your heart is pure. I've been experimenting with Zach's going to come, and Lucas, if he wants. But I've been experimenting with just praying for people and things that come through my mind. I mean, I'm honestly looking at a passage of Scripture, and I was like, I think this is what this means. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply that. Does it always work? No. And sometimes it works, and I'm shocked. I'm like, that worked! Carry a little journal, what works and what doesn't work. Here's what we want to do tonight. Let's, let's, let's uh, I love when we make it, we make it, um, we make the environment extra spiritual. Isn't that cool? <laughs> hey, come on, you do that. I watch how you dress on Sunday, so you can't say anything else. Yeah. yeah. I wear the right clothing on Sunday. Well, I can have the right environment. So. Here's what I'd love to do tonight. Um, I honestly feel this in my spirit. I would, I, would like for, I would like to sing at least just for a couple minutes, maybe five minutes. Can we do five minutes? I ended early. Let's, let's sing for five minutes or so, maybe ten minutes. And let's just, let's receive praise. Not, we're not praising ourselves. But this love of the Father, let's, that, that's better. Let's just receive the love of the Father tonight. And I, I, would, I would encourage you to do that. Because, and, and you probably know this as a, as a young girl, and some of you younger folks in, in, in school today, there's such a pressure to measure up. Seriously, there's such a pressure to measure up. And it is in every aspect, in our jobs, you know, even in our marriage, with our kids, self-imposed, kind of things that's there's none of that in the kingdom seriously there's none of that in the kingdom god has no expectations on you other than just believe what he says about you and when you believe it he'll produce it in your life and so i i because i I, i've really found in my own life and so i believe it'll apply to you that when when you believe when you begin to believe what he says about you you live different you, you talk different. You, you think different. Confidence. You exude confidence. I illustrated that with my son with, um, with going out with girls. He's at that age where like, you know, Dad, I think I want to take this girl to a movie. And I'm like, he goes, I don't know, I'm coming to nervous and all this. And I'm like, be confident in yourself. Now don't look at her and say, you're so lucky to be going out with me tonight. Don't do that. But be confident. That's, 
Like people love being around, not arrogant, but confident people who don't make them feel nervous, don't make them feel awkward. Christians should put everybody at ease wherever they go. I do, I think there's something to that. So let's just, can we receive that tonight? Let me, let me pray for us real quick. Father, we love you. I just want to pray over those who are watching online and specifically, Lord, those who have self-esteem issues. And so, Father, I come into agreement with you and purposely against the lying spirit that would speak to us in contrary to our identity. In the name of Jesus, you're not in charge of how I see myself anymore. I don't accept. Even when I make mistakes, I don't accept your criticism. I will not operate in guilt. Father, I want to operate in, I want to operate in, man, look what I did. I need to talk with my dad specifically about this. Correct me. I don't want to do this ever again. I want to have that kind of relationship. Father, I did this because, man, I really wanted to do it. I really wanted to say that. I was really feeling this way. How can we, can you help me? I don't want to be this way anymore. That's the relationship. So I pray with those who are online and those who are in this place, those who will watch this five years down the road. I come into agreement with you and just say it. I, I receive, I receive God esteem. I, I receive the self-esteem that is, that is sourced by your spirit and your voice. I'm going to think about myself. Father, one of the, it's interesting, when I meet Christians, I never ever saw this coming. Christians, they do, they, they forgive people, but it's really difficult to forgive ourselves sometimes. We, we hold ourselves to things. We, 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 we surgically sew ourselves to past things. And it's just lies and strongholds. Would you guide us into being set free from that tonight? I just believe, I believe that I'm lovable. I believe that I'm desirable. I believe that I'm unique. That you're tailoring my personality. I believe what you say about me. It's the second thing Paul talks about in our identity. At the core of our identity, we are chosen. We matter. And we don't matter on the standards of the world, but on the matter of your perspective. Because the how you see is true. So Father, we're going to sing to you tonight. We're going to worship you tonight. And Father, I, I just want to feel loved by you. I want, I, want to, I want to be in intimacy with you tonight. I want to hear your voice tonight. Bathe us in your presence. Father, your, your, impres your presence produces produces your voice. We want to have an encounter with you tonight. In the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.